This podcast is sponsored by the Davenant Institute and Davenant Hall, reimagining theological education. Visit davenanthall.com. The Davenant Institute seeks to retrieve the riches of classical Protestantism to renew and build up the contemporary church. Key to this mission is their educational arm, Davenant Hall. In an age where much theological education both overlooks the riches of church history and keeps students in debt, Davenant Hall is reimagining theological education. Davenant Hall takes full advantage of digital technology to make high-quality theological education affordable via online courses. Students can simply audit a single class or enroll in a degree program, including subject-specific certificates, PhD supervision, and the flagship MLIT program, which includes pastoral tracks for Baptist, Anglican, and Reformed or Presbyterian ministry. Enroll in classes at any time during the academic year. Knowing that in-person fellowship is key to Christian formation, Davenant hosts regular residentials at their study center in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of South Carolina. Registration for spring term 2024 classes running April to June is now open. Register by March 27th. Fees start at just $225 for a 10-week class with a two-hour Zoom class from expert professors each week. Spring term classes include Male and Female in Modernity with Alistair Roberts, The Reformation and the Modern World with Michael Lynch, Philosophy as a Way of Life with Joseph Minnick and more. Visit DavenantHall.com to find out more. That's DavenantHall.com. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This episode is Mortification of Spin's 100th. To celebrate the hosts, look back on the previous 99 episodes and talk about some of their favorite moments and remember all of the spin they've mortified. Keep listening after the conversation to find out how you can win an MP3 set from the Alliance. Well, it's great to be here on what is, in fact, our 100th episode. Yeah, well, you know, we could talk about this momentous occasion, the 100th episode of Mortification of Spin. Yeah. I mean, this is an extraordinary moment in the history of broadcasting, in the history of the church. It's the yeah. 100th episode of the mortification of spin and to help us yes. we looked around the whole landscape yeah. of evangelicalism reformed presbyterian evangelicalism <laughs> and we thought there's one man there's yes. one man whose deal. voice could really i think um sum up uh the importance of mortification of spin yeah. and of course that's daryl hart yeah, our most appreciative fan. Absolutely. A man who has promoted fan. this podcast, a man who has gone on the road for us, a man who quotes us frequently. Um, I mean, I get emails from this man just encouraging me to press on on a weekly basis. I, I, I would have to say, of, of all the people who have expressed their appreciation for mortification of spin, and there's a lot of them, I don't think we've heard <laughs> From anyone any more frequently uh, than Daryl Hart, and so we've asked him to be on here. He's going to be saying some things in a little bit, um, but we're excited about uh, about Daryl's presence with us on the program today. 
Well, that's very exciting, Todd. Looking forward to hearing what the great man has to say about the programme. But first, I think it's an opportunity for us to cast our minds back to what you and I think of as the golden age of spin, which was when it was just Todd and myself, two microphones, having fun. Uh, Some of you, of course, will know that, like all good things, the golden age ultimately came to an end. Uh, We made what, in retrospect, was the, the fatal mistake of inviting Amy to join the team. You know, we needed somebody to fetch the coffee and laugh at our jokes. Uh, we invite this, uh, this woman to join the team. And within a unfortunately very short period of time, she is starting to volunteer dangerous opinions of her own. Uh, <laughs> we feel we're probably going to have to have yet another conversation with Matt about bringing his wife uh, back into line. And uh, what can I say when we look back at the golden age and the transition to the present? We went in some ways from being the Beatles to being the Plastic Ono band within 24 hours, it seems. Todd, what what are your thoughts on that sad period of our history? Well, it's difficult to think about it now because, you you know, we we went from the Abbey Road revolver stage to let it be. And that's just a sad decline, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this implies that you guys are some sort of like John Lennon and Paul McCartney, when we all know it's more like, you know, Mary Wilson and Florence Ballard, right? Ooh. Oh. Die the oh. demons on form this morning. Wow. <laughs> that edge. What That's happened? Dangerous you invited stuff. a strong, opinionated woman on the show. <laughs> and look how much yeah, better but, it's gotten. Well, here's the deal. And, and this, this, is, this is what bothers me, is because as good <laughs> as it was when it was just Carl and I, we, we, we couldn't quite crack the code. And it wasn't until we brought Amy on that we expanded our, our listener base. But the thing is, is that I find that we can't be nearly as rude as we were before. I mean, we're still rude. <laughs> yeah. You guys are rude. <laughs> Do you remember the first time I recorded with you? You guys were too nice. Remember that? That's probably true. We gentle, you, guys, you guys were yeah. very kind the first time I came, but we're always very puppet kind. master said it didn't work too well. <laughs> <laughs> as far as expanding our, our listenership goes, Todd, imagine if we'd had Nancy Guthrie or Gloria oh, Furman as the co-host. Yeah, I, I know. How you many guys more would be much better men? Yeah. Good dreams die hard. Good mm-hmm. dreams die hard. What, what, what can uh, I say? Of course, the male-female thing is not the only cultural clash on the program. There is also the uh, the inability of you guys to actually pronounce the English language correctly mm. that has come through rather dramatically uh, over these hundred episodes. Um, yeah. Maybe you'd like to, to run a few examples past us, and I will yeah. correct your pronunciation for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we do like having Carl around because he talks so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Amy, what's your what's your favorite word that Carl flubs? Well, my favorite one is one that we didn't know he said funny until we were in the middle of doing a podcast, uh-huh. and Carl said the word marijuana. Oh. Now I say marijuana. Carl, how do you say it? Marijuana. <laughs> I, say I say it as it's spelled. <laughs> Are Presbyterians allowed to joke about marijuana? I mean, is that okay? Are we going to get checked out for that? Book of Church order. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. do remember when we recorded outside the bong shop that the puppet master insisted that we could only be outside the shop. Right. We were not allowed to go in the shop to make yeah. our recording. Carl, where is our investigative vigor taking us today? Well, we're actually uh, at an undisclosed location in Colorado where we're standing outside what I believe uh, Americans call a bong shop. 
where you can buy paraphernalia and indeed uh, marijuana itself. That was controversial, which, by the way, Carl, say controversy. Controversy. Okay, that's wrong. How about um, metaphor? I say metaphor. You say... Metaphor. Metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I say wrath. I say wrath. Wrath. Much more I serious. Say... More people and, and, I mean, converted okay, when you so say wrath than I, wrath. I prefer, yeah, I prefer I'll give you that wrath, one. but, but I, I can understand. I mean, wrath... Roth does sound perhaps a little more menacing. It it sounds a little more menacing. It does. It does. does. That's not bad. But how about this one? I say garage. You say... And I say garage. Garage. Wow. (laughs) Garage is a garage, as you call it. That sounds more West Virginia, I think. Let me go to the garage and get my keys. Garage. Garage. (laughs) Garage. Um, And then they call elevators up and down boxes, right? Something like that. We We call them lifts. Oh, okay. Simple, simple and straightforward. It's a lift. Yeah. A, a bicycle is a, a two-wheeled um, motion cart or a... I, I, I'm, I'm still trying to get used to... Do you say bicycle? We say bicycle or cycle or bike. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, not bad. yeah it's pretty, pretty close. It's just car park. And I say controversy. What do you say? Controversy. Of course. Controversy. Controversy. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, oh. I think... I think the readers will, listeners will now understand why people with English accents sound so much more sophisticated in the pulpit mm. than their American we'll counterparts. It's true. It's put true. It on the well, that, you have an unfair advantage. You have an unfair advantage. I've heard you preach, and really, Carl, when you preach, you don't say much. It just sounds so pretty. You don't. It does. Um, it does. It's all down to aesthetics. It's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. I think Paul in First Corinthians was absolutely wrong. It's all down <laughs> to aesthetics. It's yeah, nothing exactly. to do with substance. Exactly. So, well, we've uh, we've. Um, We've found ourselves during these uh, during these days of, of recording mortifications. We found ourselves in some rather exotic and interesting locations. Yes, we have. We have. Yeah. What was your favorite? Uh, we, well, we've been in Amy's kitchen, and since yeah. she lives in you know West Virginia, you know there were a lot of possums aging in the corner and squirrels butchered. Yeah, but and, I made and you those gospel-centered brownies, didn't I? Gospel-centered brownies. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Where else have we been? Yeah. Uh, we've uh, been we've to a been... biker bar. Yes, yeah, West Virginia biker. biker Bar. I think that's where we first met Amy, perhaps. True. Yeah, that's where you guys uh, first met me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the we New Jersey a... Shores. Have we been to the Shores? Where we went Shore? and saw uh, the plaque in Carl's honor for oh, um, yes. almost getting that's kicked right. out of the conference. That's right. That's Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's, yes. yes, the unfortunate smoker gate incident at the conference. <laughs> yeah, the that's, right. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we've, been to, uh, we've been to the Gateway Conference. Uh, yep, the mega yeah, conference yeah. down yeah. in Texas that was a little scary. caused a little controversy there. Mm-hmm. We've been to the movies. That was a little controversial for reasons we can't say on air. <laughs> <laughs> we got some mail on that one. Yeah, I've been on Todd's driveway and once again refused entrance to his house yes. for reasons that he would not make clear, but I'm yes. sure have something to do with Karen, his wife. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys have met my mom this year. We met, we your, met mom. your mom. You mom, which explained a lot. Oh, my goodness. Um, though, I have to say, your mum is very nice, so we're not quite sure where it all went wrong, but yeah. we have met your mum. Oh, you know, yeah. there's always one yeah. bad egg. Yep, we've been yeah. kicked out of a Christian bookstore. Kicked out of we a Christian kicked bookstore. Kicked out of a Christian bookstore, yeah. Bestsellers. So we've been, we've been around. We've also, though, dealt with some serious topics. And, again, as we were reflecting on the first 100 episodes, three themes emerged as things that we perhaps have have focused on and hope to have made, if not a contribution, at least to have got people to think a little bit more about. And 
the three themes, one, one of them is ecclesiology and authority. Another one was uh, the issue of women and, and abuse. And the third one was Christian celebrity and the use of humor. So maybe we could spend a few moments just reflecting on each of those issues and thinking mm-hmm. of, of how we, in amongst all the laughs, try to make a serious contribution in these yeah. areas. Yeah. Well, I think clearly we talk a lot about the church. We talk a lot about ecclesiology. And um, that's gotten praise in some circles. It's gotten us criticized in other circles. And I think one of the themes that, that goes through a lot of our discussions on ecclesiology is you know, the related uh, issue of authority. Um, what is it that the church does and is supposed to do? What is it that the church isn't supposed to be doing? Um, sometimes we agree. I think we agree more than we disagree. Um, but but also um, the, um, the the place of scripture in in life of the church. Um, we also didn't we get uh, some some pushback when we talked about kind of my move to Presbyterianism and the fact that I actually had a reason for becoming Presbyterian. We got some angry responses on that one, didn't we? Got some pretty fierce pushback. I think mainly yeah. because you didn't go through a reformed Baptist phase. I'm saying that as a serious point, not yeah, as a yeah. trying to score points. Right. But you move from being Southern Baptist to being uh, Presbyterian and Reformed. Right. And the Reformed Baptists out there seem to think that we had not given uh, sufficient time to their position. Right. I think in episodes right. since, we've, we've acknowledged that uh, of all the Baptists out there, those with whom we would have most affinity would be the Reformed Baptists who Absolutely. hold to the Second London, the 1689 Confession of Faith, right. and right. who would hold a theology of baptism very close to our own. Right. Uh, but at the time, it caused a bit of a stir. I think uh, Jeremy Walker referred to it as, a, mm. as an unfortunate and unwise podcast or something. <laughs> when, Je- when Jeremy tells you something's unwise, you can generally be confident that you're on the right track that's my kind of rule of thumb uh, for, for handling criticism from jeremy and company well some good yeah. came out of it i kind of went underground and and discovered that the confessing baptists do exist yes and they interviewed me one of their wives interviewed me yeah. they do. remember that yeah no no one's interviewed me no <laughs> right. I, no i was one? at the conference no I a conference a couple of weeks ago and some guy comes running up to me and says gotta tell you i love the podcast you and Amy and uh, that other, that really guy. The other guy, yeah, the other guy, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I'm I'm George Harrison. Not laughing at that one talk. I'm George Harrison. What can I say? I'm the guy in the background with the rhythm guitar. I'm I'm the guy in the background with the rhythm guitar. I think of you more as Ringo. You know, you have a cool head bop going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Luckiest guy in the universe just happened to be picked up by me and Amy at the right absolutely, time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, right place at the right time. Well, on on the ecclesiology front, we've 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 also talked about the fact that we're concerned um, in in some of the current evangelical culture the importance of some of the parachurch movement, which tends to downplay things like the sacraments, um, church polity. And it's almost reduced being reformed down to having a high view of God's sovereignty and nothing mm. else. And that's three or four yeah. points of Calvinism, and that's enough. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And, and, and it also what, kind of takes the, um, the role of discipleship from the church and puts it into the parachurch's yep. hands, yep. which is one of my big concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it downplays the importance of the ordinary means of grace that God has mm-hmm. entrusted to his church. And 
and it's uh, it, it it elevates other means and methods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, parachurch organizations can be very good. Sure, absolutely. So, the, listen, we we participate in one, but one of the reasons I mm-hmm. think we feel good about participating in this particular parachurch organization is it seems to understand the purpose of a parachurch organization better than some others. Um, Its ambitions are not so grand that it ends Mm. up kind of subverting um, denominations. Um, It's very quickly, very easy for a parachurch uh, organization to become a quasi-church organization. Right. Right. That's why I think it's useful to have a clearly defined set of purposes or values up front and to stick to those if they need to be changed Mm -hmm. over time then change them but always make sure that you're not ultimately bleeding over into into work that should properly be done by by the church right carl you mentioned the fact that that one of the the issues that we've visited and then revisited several times is um the issue of women in the church um complementarianism um Mm. uh and then some strange expressions like uh, 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 what's the word I'm searching for? Wife spanking novels. <laughs> Wife spanking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, patriarchalism. Yeah. Patriarchalism. patriarchalism. And, and, yeah. it's, and it's uh, various expressions such as wife spanking. Um, but one of our, we've said this before, one of our memorable uh, programs that got a lot of attention and I think was really helpful for us just pastorally was our um, interview with Diane Langberg just about issues of, of domestic abuse yeah. And how to approach that, how to approach accusations when they're made. Um, she was helpful to me personally, just as I yeah. think through those issues as they come up. The dramatic statistics she had on false accusations, I right. think it was two in 40 years of counseling. Right. That was right. quite stunning. And that really did change my whole opinion of how to relate to somebody who comes into my office and, and tells me their spouse is abusing them. Right. Um, it really does load it in favor of the complainant, I yeah. think, the plaintiff. Yeah. We also opened uh, our eyes to um, just how often this happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, it was, it was, it's interesting also just related to, to the issue of women. One of the things that I, I, I do remember uh, we got some pushback on. I don't know how, how wide it was, probably not very wide, but there were people asking questions about the fact that, why do you, why do you now have a woman on the podcast? Doesn't this yeah, yeah. Th- does this equal uh, a woman teaching man? Yeah. Isn't that a violation yeah. of the scriptures? And why should she be blogging? And yeah, you know. well, I did ask why myself on numerous occasions <laughs> for, for very different reasons. It was more yeah. personality oriented <laughs> than, than what it yeah. had to do with the Bible. Yeah. But I I did yeah. think that that was a, 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 a an interesting and by interesting I mean strange. Um, uh, thought that that by having a conversation with a woman, we might somehow be violating scripture and elevating her to the role of pastor. And I mean, Todd, one of the things I was, you know, have we learned anything from Amy? I'm I'm hard pressed to sort of think of something at this point, but I'm I'm open to correction on that. Well, I've learned how to dodge my backhand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I yeah I've I've learned you know I've learned that it's that it's that it's a good thing um for a woman to um have expertise in bladed weapons that's true <laughs> that's true it's yeah. a good thing for men to know who those women are so they can <laughs> alter their behavior appropriately <laughs> right um we we waded into the waters of patriarchalism yeah yeah um, had Rachel Miller on as a guest um yes that was an interesting discussion because it is a part of typically 
you find patriarchalism in, in certain reformed circles. And so it's a part of our, our family tree that needs to be discussed and seems to I, be like a dirty little secret in some yeah. reform circles, really. It's sort of there, but is not talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, we, we joked some about the wife spanking thing just because I'd never heard of that before. Yeah. And I was so yeah. shocked to find out that while, people while do that sort of thing, people really do that. And, and, and what I found as I was doing some homework online on it is that even among some in the patriarchal movement, while they may not actually practice it, they don't actually come out and condemn it, no, which, no. which was weird and disturbing, I thought. Well, I think yeah. we've been able to kind of hash out some of the problems, even in complementarianism, mm-hmm. um, where it gets a little too, I don't know if the word conservative is right, but all of a sudden everything is looked at under the, the lens of biblical manhood and biblical yeah. womanhood instead of just you know, theology for every person. Well, and, and some of the errors that, that get imported into complementarianism, like, for instance, um, every woman is under the authority of every man. Right. Um, that a scary place. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. some of those strange ideas that get imported into... Um, well, I think so, not just having a, a woman on the show, which is, you know, let's face it, you guys, the balding and the bitter needed... Yeah. A woman's perspective badly. We do. Not only a woman, but just um, a regular layperson's mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. Because, you know, you guys are kind of sheltered in your pastoral positions in some ways. And so I think it's good for um, listeners to hear all perspectives and for there to be dialogue between the mm-hmm. professors and pastors and the lay people. Right. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that by far, like in the church I serve as pastor, by far the most comments I get from people in my church about the podcast come from women who listen to it. And I have to say, not all of them, but probably a pretty good chunk of them ended up listening because they heard there was this lady that was on there. And so there I he got goes to, with that word lady. I, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. That was a microaggression on my part. Uh, this uh, this woman, place. this woman that's on our our podcast, and uh, so you know, I, I begrudgingly have to acknowledge the fact that we went up from like ten listeners to thirty listeners because of Amy, and so that's good. <laughs> Fantastic. That, that uh, given the fact that we have obviously have therefore our own celebrity on the show, yes, in the shape of Mrs. Bird, it brings us to the third topic, and that is celebrity. Uh, it seems that the evangelical world is unwilling to call out its own, often by name. There's definitely a protected inner circle or a clubhouse rule situation where certain people just don't get called out by name and we've not done it often and we've tried to do it on the whole in a fairly gentle if i can put it that way or comparatively gentle way but we called out quite a few people sure over the hundred episodes you know we called out Anne voskamp sarah young tullian chivijin john piper mark driscoll remember him <laughs> and uh, and even Striper, I seem I know I was accosted, I was accosted by an aggrieved Striper fan <laughs> at, a, at a thing I spoke at, who really felt <laughs> that's that, right, you were man. I just didn't understand rock music, and I had really uh, I'd really dissed Striper. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> frankly, any band that sells Underoos 
in the name of Jesus has a real problem as far as I'm concerned. That yeah, yeah, a- that was that was I think the most controversial thing we did is when we mocked Striper. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, it's interesting. You know, 15 years ago or so, I guess when when re- well-known reformed preachers who and 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 teachers were you know, we were just starting to see the birth of some conferences that were actually geared towards people who loved the doctrines of grace and, and these kinds of, you know, it was, it was, it was a good time. It was exciting. It was, as a pastor, I was thankful that, that a more prominent voice was, was being given a platform for the theology that I had come to treasure and, and wanted my people to, to drink deeply from. So I was very thankful for that. There seemed to be, um, I mean, there was great enthusiasm for it, but one of the things, unfortunately, again, that happens is that we we've seen that popularity is a just a very dangerous thing for all of us not just for the guy over there it's dangerous for me it's dangerous for anyone because we're sinful people and and so what's happened is, is from a very encouraging movement something that i was very encouraged by as a pastor 15 years ago you know we we see that movement take along to take on some of the same pathologies that all other popular movements take on and that's what's heartbreaking well it becomes an economic issue of course because the popularity increases the size of things then they become organizations once you have an organization you've got a payroll right and then it becomes somewhat self-perpetuating there's the need to keep the brand and if the person or the church is the brand to keep that up front and central and to keep marketing it again and again and again and you know the the soft targets in some ways the mark driscoll's of this world they're the guys with the mickey mouse t-shirts and the swagger but the guys in the Brooks Brothers suits, they're up to this as well. Sure. The guys in the tailor-made suits are just as culpable in many ways of branding and perpetuating a brand in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So we, the, there's still room, I think, much room for constant vigilance and self-criticism on this front. Yeah. yeah and it's hard because the, the, the more popularity, the more insulated one becomes. It's just a part of it because... Uh, you have to have then an organization to support your popularity, and you're not going to surround yourself. I mean, left to yourself, left to your own devices, you typically won't surround yourself by people who are willing to tell you no, yeah, yeah. Um, or willing to say you're wrong about that. Yeah. And so, so when somebody does do that, that the, the temptation is to is to shut them out, to shut that yeah. voice out, and that's a dangerous thing for Christians to do. One thing you guys keep, have said a lot over the year, I think, is the idea that we're all very replaceable. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to develop a, a sense of heightened self-importance when you're that popular, when mm-hmm. that many people are, you know, excited to listen to you speak or reading your books and um, downloading whatever on the internet from mm-hmm. you. I think that that is something that, you know, any public figure definitely needs to battle. And yeah. Even mm. if you're speaking to 50 people. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You are very replaceable, Amy. Just remember that. <laughs> Thank you. Just I need remember. to hear that. <laughs> but, you know, and, and again, you know, the point is, is that, it, you know, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, there, there, I'm so thankful that there are some men, um, writers, theologians, pastors who have um, a, a public voice because I've gained, I've, you know, I've, I've been able to, to, to pass on to people in my church really excellent books and, and sermons. So I'm very thankful for that. But again, the person who's given that privilege of a, of a, of a, of a platform 
um, has he's he's got to know himself. She's got to know herself well enough to guard against the inevitable, not possible, but inevitable um, traps that that comes with. Mm-hmm. And and if they don't do that, um, it's not good for their soul. And that's where regular church attendance and involvement yes, in church comes it. in because for a pastor, those people are the elders. Right. They're not yes men. They're elected by the congregation. Right. And they are the guys that you trust to keep you in line. Right. Uh, and for a congregant, Again, it's the, it's the elders. It's the session of your local church. They're the people that you trust to stop you from believing your own publicity. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's, that's why Mortification of Spin is a good um, title for this program. Um, we want to be, you know, maybe at least just a kind of a small voice out there to say, watch it, be warned, and not just to somebody out there, but to ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to, to watch the spin, to watch the temptation, to make a name for yourself, that, that temptation beats in all of our hearts, and we have to be so careful um, lest we harm the witness of the church, lest we dishonor our Lord. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are so happy that you chose to be with us on this, our 100th episode. And perhaps my biggest regret about the whole thing is we've run out of time. I could go on like this in this conversation for hours. And unfortunately, because we have to wrap up, we don't have time for our guest, Daryl Hart. Daryl, I'm very sorry. Um, you've, been, you've been great sitting here with us in studio by the mic, revved up, ready to go. And now we've got to, uh, to close out without giving you your part. But I trust that you'll be willing to come on again sometime in the future and, uh, and to talk about the impact mortification of spin has had, not only on the evangelical world, but in your own life. Uh, as well, and we'll look forward to hearing from that. Well, on behalf of my two friends, um, the other two that many of you refer to them as, Carl Truman and Amy Bird, uh, we will look forward to being with you next time on Mortification of Spin. And please check out our archives at mortificationofspin.org. You can go all the way back to the beginning and uh, listen in on, uh, on the various episodes. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen that exists to foster a reformed awakening in today's church. Head over to mortificationofspin.org to enter for your chance to win an MP3 set of both seasons of Mortification of Spin. Next time, the gang's talking about cakes and how Christians should respond to the recent debates on religious freedom and same-sex marriage. I do think that we should have the liberty of conscience, though, to say that, you know, I, I can't do this because I don't believe it is right for me to contribute to this religious ceremony. Neutrality is going to be really difficult, if not impossible. Check back in for that next time. And we're coming after you next.